Wheels. Yeah, buddy. I'm clicking the link and everything over here. I Now, when we weren't on the phone, I could see you and hear you, but you couldn't see or hear me. So what does that mean? I have no idea. Were you doing it from your phone? Yeah, I'm doing it from my phone. What kind of phone do you have? I have a um, a Samsung. I don't believe. Ah. I don't believe in the uh, the iPhone. Neither do I. That might be the problem. Do you have a computer you could use? I ain't using my computer. <laughs> <laughs> um. Let's want- see if I don't know. All right, hold on. Let me click the link again. Let's try that. Okay, let me hang up then. All right, I'm going to click the link. Okay, bye. All right, bye. Let's see. Call ended. Okay. Opie. Yeah. Opie. I I could hear you there, uh, Wheels. You can't see me, though. Uh, Who wants to see you? Nobody, really. (laughs) Well, as long as you can hear me, that's all that really matters. Can you do me one favor, though? What? We're getting big. I'm getting a lot of glare from the windows behind you. Is there any way you can close like one of those? I ain't closing the windows. What do you want from me? How about that? That's better. All right. That's better. I, I was trying to hide my uh, my stay at home look. I like it, bud. I haven't uh, I haven't had a haircut in uh, I don't know four or five months. My hair has never been longer. I finally shaved okay. my I'm Santa Claus beard. My- huh? I'm going to go live right now, and then we can talk about all that. I'm already live. Oh, well, I'm not on this end. I don't know why it says you're live. We're right. going live right now. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Wednesdays with Wheels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, buddy. Listen, I am so excited to welcome in my next guest to Wednesdays with Wheels. Uh, you know him if you're a fan of the Brother Wee show. Uh, you you also know him from Opie and Anthony. And what I have to say is what I believe to be the gold standard in podcasting, the Opie Radio Podcast. Opie, how are you? I'm good there, Wheels. Thanks for having me on your podcast. I appreciate this, it. So this is like my 10th podcast. Okay. It's brand new. Yeah. Brand new. But this is the first time that I'm kind of nervous and maybe a little bit of a fanboy here, Opie, because I've been listening to you for so long in many different forms that this is this is really big for me. So thank you for doing this. Well, let me help you out. You should be very nervous. I'm a big deal there, uh, Wheels. <laughs> You are a big deal. I, I, lo- I love the, the views of the beach. And and if there's one thing that, that Opie gives you, he gives you the truth. Wow. His, I like that. Right? You do. You don't pull any punches, my friend. No, I don't. I'm really mad right now, matter of fact, because I decided that I was going to have a little beer with uh, Wheels Maxwell. And I went to my fridge and I grabbed the damn Sam Adams summer ale. And I don't support Sam Adams anymore. So now I'm in a bad mood because of that. Do you get action even though you're in a chair? Let's, I, let's get into this a little bit. I do, Ope. I get, I get action. Nice. Everything, everything. You know, that's a common misconception Yeah. Uh, that people have that just because you're in a wheelchair, the plumbing doesn't work. Oh, no, man. You guys still get stiffies. I know that from that documentary. Oh, yeah. What was the documentary? Uh, Murder Ball? Murder Ball. But I know you're a big documentary guy. Have you seen the new documentary Which that one? you would absolutely love called no. Crip Camp? Crip Camp. I heard about that. Brother Weeze turned me on to this. And it's so funny because he called me up on the phone, oh, yeah. and he says, bro, uh, I don't want to upset you. And I'm thinking in, my, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, boy, what I do? He's going to tell me I can't do the show on Friday. I did something. Yeah. And he's like, bro, I don't want to upset you. But, uh, you know, Sammy, uh, Sammy Davis and I are sitting down and we're watching this documentary by Barack and Michelle Obama. Yeah. And it's about it's called Crip Camp. And it's about people in wheelchairs. But wheels, they're way worse than you are. <laughs> that's that's my boy. That's Wheeze. 
Yeah. Oh, you just mentioned uh, a little while ago, or just a few minutes ago, that when you were back in Rochester, how long has it been since you were an intern in Rochester and well, spending some of your time there? I was never an intern uh, at uh, that other radio station. Uh, I think it used to be called the home of rock and roll. Rochester's home of rock and roll. Um, no, it was my second uh, professional radio job. You and I have one of our best friends is Brother Weez. Yeah. Brother Weez has changed my life in so many ways. Yeah, I opened so many doors for me. Take us back to that that uh, if you remember that first couple of days you worked with Brother Weez, and what were your impressions of him, and what do you remember about that? Uh, Brother Weez is uh, like a god to me. He's a mentor, one of my best friends. He's a brother. He's a father figure. He's all those things to me. And uh, basically, I was in Geneseo, actually, going to college. And I was doing college radio. And somebody in my fraternity house had Brother Weez on. He was just starting his radio career around then, somewhere around 85, I think. And I heard this terrible voice coming from a room from the fraternity house. And right away, I'm like, who the hell is that? Because back then, you had to have a really good voice to be on the radio. And and we certainly did not have the very good voice. Uh, but what he was saying was absolutely amazing and fascinating and interesting and funny and thought-provoking. And so fast forward, I, I get a, a job in Geneva, New York, just a little part-time job. I was doing uh, radio on the weekends. And then um, I got a chance to get a job at CMF as a uh, assistant uh, promotional guy. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is the radio station where that guy with the really weird voice works. And we became instant pals. And I, had, I was not worthy to be on the radio with Brother Weez back then, certainly. But he would give me mic time and he would allow me to hang out and uh, just be part of the whole the whole show, which I, I cherish uh, to this day. And uh, him and Sam Kinison completely changed my life because I realized I was doing radio wrong when I heard Weez just being himself and Sam Kinison just uh, taking it to the edge and being himself and then kind of jumping over the edge. Matter of fact, I uh, threw everything I knew away from what I learned in college and up to that point, And I decided to finally start being myself on the radio. But I think that you along with Weez, and you, you said you learned from Weez, but you have a great knack for just taking maybe someone that no one knows and turning them into realizing they have a talent and giving them a microphone and giving them a, a platform. Do you have any good Chef Carl stories that you could tell us? Because one of the people that you brought onto the radio and sort of made, uh, you know, he already had a career in the, as a very successful chef and on the Food Network, but um, you introduced him to a whole new audience. Right. Uh, ah, man. Yeah, thanks for uh, mentioning uh, Carl. Now I'm going to start crying there, Wheels. What are you trying to do? Are you are you like a Barbara Walters? I thought we were going to have some fun and drink a we beer are gonna, together. We're going to get there. But I, I wanna, I, listen, I love Carl. Carl was a great guy. Well, so funny. So I just thought yeah. maybe you could share a couple stories. All right, no problem. So Carl was a street guy, just naturally funny. He could have easily been a stand-up comic. He could have easily been one of the, the greats of uh, radio. We had uh, a friendship first, and we had incredible chemistry on our, our uh, radio show when I uh, was still at SiriusXM, and then we moved it into the podcast form. The thing I, I, I love about uh, Carl, he was always living in the moment. He was always funny. He was always enjoying his life. I never saw the guy sad. And he went through a lot of crap at the end of his life, including a, an ugly divorce. But what I loved was just walking the streets with Carl and making him incredibly uncomfortable, which which amazed me because he was such a street guy. But if when I started messing with people, he would he would pull on my on my 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 sleeve and try to get me out of the situation, and that would just make me want to do it more to make him even more uncomfortable. Uh, to this day, I think of those moments and I just laugh my ass off. In Nantucket, we were just wandering around the streets really, really drunk. And I decided, uh, well, he decided we all needed Nantucket hoodies. And we went into a store 
And he begged me outside the store not to carry on and, and make a scene. And I'm like, God, Carl, of course I won't. And then, of course, as soon as I got into the place, I just started announcing that we were there and taking over the store and just being loud and obnoxious. And and Carl was laughing his ass off to the point he couldn't breathe. But he also was so uncomfortable and so embarrassed. And he just wanted us out of the store. And he... Uh, he quickly bought everyone's hoodies and and, and dragged me out of there. So uh, th- those yeah, are the, was, those yeah, are the, those I, are the, those are the moments. I, okay, why don't you talk then? Yes. I'm sorry. What were you saying? Oh, <laughs> I was just going to say those are the moments I cherish. Uh, the first time I met Chef Carl, uh, I, it's funny because I was listening to your podcast and you were waiting at the door for Billy to answer the door. Yeah. And he said it would must have been the second time I met him. But he look. He said to you on the air as I'm listening to, that, and I laugh my ass off about this. Yeah. He said, "Wheel scares me." <laughs> I, I don't know why, man. You're very lovable. Well, I, I mean, maybe he was afraid I was going to run over his big toe or something. I don't know. Yeah, he had terrible feet. Uh, that's one thing about Carl. He had horrendous feet. So maybe that was it that you were going to run over his toes. <laughs> Um, where are you right now? You're, are you at the beach house? I got a Yeah. I got a place where I get to, you know, hang out and, uh, and just, uh, chill out and go fishing and, and, and stay as far away from the coronavirus as possible. Yes. Well, let's, can we talk about the coronavirus for just a few minutes? Yeah. You don't believe it. Do you wheels? No, I, be, I'm with you. I'm a believer. <laughs> of course. I am. A, I'm a mask wearer and I'm a believer. But, oh, so uh, that means you're a snowflake libtard, you and your mask. How dare you? Me and my mask, right? Here's what I don't understand, and, me, and let's talk about this for a little bit. How hard is it to put on a mask, Opie? Well, it's not hard, and I, I said this from day one. I, I pretty much said on my podcast, please, please, let's not make the mask political. And sure enough, we did that until recently. Uh, even the turtle, Mitch McConnell, is uh, telling everyone to wear a mask. So finally, we're uh, all getting on the same page. I just hope it's not too late. Uh, but to make the mask political is completely ridiculous. The fact is, this is a really scary thing. Uh, we're looking at 130,000 Americans have died from this thing. And, uh, you know, we got to try to keep everyone safe. And, and most of the scientists and the doctors... Nine out of ten, anyway. You'll always find one doctor, one scientist that'll tell you something like, "No, smoking's actually really good for you." Um, but uh, the majority of doctors and scientists are basically saying, "Look, the mask will save people's lives, and that's all we should worry about." And, and then all that political, all that other political stuff. Sure, let's fight it out, but let's at least agree that the mask is important as we try to get through this pandemic. If yeah. we're not supposed to listen to the doctors, oh, who are we supposed to listen to? Well, obviously the politicians, they know way more about this stuff. So, of course, we got to listen to either Trump or Biden. They know best. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and he said, you know, people will listen to either Fox News or uh, MSNBC yeah. because it validates what they're thinking. Right. So you yeah. listen to whichever. You listen to whichever station validates your opinion. Yeah, of and course. It's so, people don't think for themselves. Right. Uh, did you see this latest story? And I'm interested to get your take on this. Did you see John Elway came out the other day and said uh, any of his players that kneel during the national anthem, he's going to fire on the spot? <laughs> really? Wow. I, I did not see that story, to be honest with you. That it's the most ridiculous thing to me in the world because you're telling me that if a guy like, I don't know, uh, Von Miller, yeah. who's a big player for the Denver Broncos, yeah. decides to take a knee, yeah. you're going to tell your, the top player that you're paying on your team, sorry, we no longer need your services? Well, John Elway's always been stupid there, uh, Wheels. And because he said that, he's going to now have most of his team kneeling. I mean, how dumb can you be? The team's not going to take that. They're in solidarity. They're all going to now kneel to shove it up Elway's, uh, you know, horse's ass. Just seems a little outrageous to me. My- Think of the Buffalo Bills. And if we told Josh Allen he couldn't play for us because he decided to take a knee. Yeah. Buffalo would be in, in an uproar. Well, this will be a bit controversial, but I think you could support your country and also kneel. 
believe it or not. I think those two things are possible. But there's a lot of people, as soon as you kneel, you know, you're not a patriot, you don't believe in this country, you don't blah, 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 blah. And I really do believe that you could be uh, an American, believe in what this country's all about, and also take a kneel for some, some things that you believe need to change. Thank you so much, Opie, for saying that. Because I all my argument to people is this: they're not they're not disrespecting America. Right. They're, the reason they're doing it during the national anthem is because that's when everybody's right. eyeballs is on, are on them. Right. But we live in a country where it's all or nothing. Unfortunately, we live in a right. country that there's no real debate anymore. We live in a country where people have their talking points, and it's not even their own talking points. They get it from Facebook or the cable news channel they're they're watching. And then they're just waiting for you to uh, stop talking so they could shove their their points right back at you because their 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 survival uh, depends on it for them to be right. No one wants to be wrong in this country whatsoever. That's what's missing in this in this country. Right. The 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 ability to have a conversation and and actually see somebody else's point of view. Yeah. I mean, when was the last time you actually heard someone say, Oh, I never thought of it that way. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> it's more, yeah, it you don't happened. know what the fuck you're talking about, you libtard. Die. It's like, die? Really? And, and, and I yeah. say this all the time. It's a, it's a theme on my podcast. We're doing it all wrong, no matter what side you're on, because both sides want the other side to think exactly like how they think. So basically, you're looking at... 50% of the country is trying to change the minds of the other 50% of the country. It's never going to happen, and we just waste our time trying to do that. That's why I try to stay off of social media with arguments about politics because it just yeah. ends up to be a circular argument, right? Yeah. Let me tell. Let me ask you something. So, so you get action. I get action. Do they, like, sit on the on the chair with you? I'm pretty mobile. I've, I get out of the chair. And, I've seen you and, walk. Uh, I've seen you walk in Brother Weezer's studio, but I'm I'm just wondering if you ever had. Look, man, you know, I, I I've had some girls with some fetishes, so I'm wondering if if you've ever had one that just was kind of fetishy and and uh, wanted to do some unusual things because you've got a wheelchair. I'm not gonna lie that sometimes be, sometimes. Yeah. In in very rare cases, yeah. the wheelchair has has helped out. <laughs> nice. Good for you, buddy. My, my friends often say to me, you are the one of, you are in some ways the luckiest guy there is because you automatically know if a girl likes you because one of the first things she'll she'll ask is in a roundabout way, does everything work okay? Right. Give me your deal in in a minute or two. Why are you? So in I have uh, cerebral palsy. So I was born uh, uh, premature. Okay. And uh, my lungs weren't fully developed. I was breathing when I was born, but my lungs weren't fully developed. Yeah. In the transfer from one hospital to another, the machine, uh, the incubator that they put me in to transfer me to the hospital stopped working. And that's what actually caused the lack of oxygen to my brain and ended up. Uh, <sighs> God. Had me end up like this, right? You don't feel sorry for yourself or anything, do you? Because you're, you're. Oh, no, in fact, I hate, I hate when people say, "Wheels, uh, I'm so, I'm so sorry." Uh, uh, you know, uh, I feel bad for you, or, or when I meet a girl and she's like, "Oh my God, I'm so sorry, you're in a wheelchair." Yeah. Don't feel sorry for me. I've lived, and I'm living the best life oh, yeah, that I are. could live. You can't change it, so you just got to live with it, right? Oh, like a hundred percent. Things happen in life, and you just got to deal with it. Hundred percent. I got this ratty red hair. It's a fucking nightmare to walk around with it. I, I will tell you, I was doing. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm just such a dick sometimes. Sorry, I'm trying to be better. I like. And actually, funny, though. and actually, it's strawberry blood. But uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, no, you're an inspiration for real. When I first met you. You know, I, I, I was wondering, what, what is this guy all about? Weez doesn't pull in charity cases whatsoever to be on the radio with him, man. You got you to gotta perform, and you got you to gotta hold your, uh, your own. And, man, the first time I saw you working on his show, I was like, damn, this, this guy, uh, Wheels, is good. He's funny. 
He has a great laugh. He's entertaining. He's got uh, great questions, and he adds to every conversation that was happening in the in the in the room. And I bowed to you, and I and I thought to myself, man, this guy is an inspiration. There's no doubt about it. I struggle with that, Opie, because and I under and I understand it. I understand where it comes from, right? When people say wheels, you're an inspiration, but. And if you find inspiration from me or if someone finds inspiration from me, that's phenomenal. Right. But I I tell people all the time, I'm not like people that are inspirational are people that are out there trying to like cure cancer. Right. right. Or find a vaccine for the coronavirus. Yeah. No, I understand. Let me now let me throw this back at you. Like, obviously, you don't you don't want people to look at you differently because you spent a lot of time in a in a wheelchair. I understand that. But what I mean by inspiration is this. There are a lot of people that were born, quote, I'll say it that way, normal, and they can't even fucking get out of bed in the morning and they got all sorts of issues and this and that. And then you, they see someone like you that is just thriving with their life. That's what I mean by being inspirational, uh, Wheels. Nothing is holding you back. And there's so many people out there that they are like, oh, if only I had this, if only I had made more money, if only my wife was hotter, if only, 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 only. And And their life is passing them by. And that's why you're an inspiration because I looked at you like, God, what, 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 why am I complaining today? Are you kidding me? That's what I mean well, by that. I, and, I, and thank you. And I will tell you, it's interesting that we're talking about this because um, one of Weez's former producers, I was talking, Paulie, I was talking to him the other day. Yeah. And he said, because uh, I did Paulie's podcast, and Paulie said, when Weez first mentioned you, Wheels, the one thing he said about you was, Here's a guy that should be so down on himself and so miserable about life, and he's not. And I need to bring him in on the radio. And 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 uh, you know, Ope, you've been in the business a long time. It's very rare that somebody is just given a microphone and said, "Here, we trust you enough to you know yeah. to say in whatever you want to say," and we without throwing it off the rails. Yeah, absolutely, man. Now, so you uh. So you were born with the CP, and so you're not you're not paralyzed. So everything you feel everything all the way down to your toes, right? I feel everything, um, oh, and that's no. the again common misconception, right? Everybody thinks once you hear wheelchair that yeah. that means you're paralyzed, right? You know, I do a lot of online dating, nice, which is which is the worst thing in the world. <laughs> I feel sorry for anyone that's single. I do this, this, all these dating apps and like, you know, I don't put in my profile that I'm in a wheelchair because you could have a conception of what somebody isn't like in a wheelchair. And if I have that in my profile, you're going to pass me right by. Right. So then how do you uh, tell them? Well, so there becomes the interesting part. Yeah. uh, Opie. I don't wait long because I don't want to waste my time and I don't want to waste your their time. Yeah. Uh, so within the first couple messages, I'll tell them. And it's so interesting to me as a society. And it all goes back to how we think about, you said it earlier, quote unquote normal, right? Yeah. These girls, when they see my picture, they're telling me, oh, you're the hottest thing since uh, sliced bread. And then as soon as I tell them I'm in a wheelchair, they they run tail the other way. Well, not all it, of them wheels. That's what I'm getting at. And I always say to them, did you have a choice in what your mother named you? Yeah. So if your name's Christina, right. did you have a choice in what your mother named you? I didn't have a choice that I was going to end up in the wheelchair. Yeah. Like, get to know me. I uh, I once dated a girl that had a handicap. You did? Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. I think I know. Go ahead. Which one? Did she have this smelly? Uh, <laughs> you this went smell with problem? it. You went with it. Yes, her handicap was a smelly vagina. Oh my god! Yeah, that's, right. That's why I love you. Oh my god. No, well, very good. Uh, but then I was reminded. I actually uh, there was a girl that um, had one arm that I didn't even notice that she had one arm, and she worked for Bill O'Reilly. We were uh, we were gonna go on Bill O'Reilly. Ah, God, the no spin zone. Yeah, okay. And he was gonna do a big piece on me and Anthony. So one of his producers came into the studio for it had to be a couple weeks just doing background stuff. 
and uh, filming B-roll and hanging out with us and, you know, getting the whole thing uh, set up for Bill O'Reilly. It was going to be a big piece for him. And she was in studio. And then after the show, she would go out to eat with us and she would go drinking with us. Anyway, me and Anthony are at Hooters. We're signing uh, a magazine article that came out. And all of a sudden I look up, beautiful girl, beautiful. And actually she's, uh, I can't say, damn it, I can't say. Say uh, it. No, because you know documentaries. She she produced a very big documentary, and I couldn't believe when I found out that uh, this was the same person. She, she moved on from Bill O'Reilly and has done some great things. But anyway, so she was attracted to me, and um, I, I had a, a girlfriend at the time, and we were signing magazines at Hooters, and I look up. And she's kind of in the distance. And at that moment, as we got a long line of fans and we're all partying and stuff at Hooters, I noticed that she has a fake mannequin arm. I think it was her left arm with a bracelet on it, which I found really strange. Because why would you draw attention to that? I'm thinking. Anyway, long, 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 the prosthetic. long story short, I start telling my guys, including Anthony and everybody else. I'm like, look, look, look. And one by one, they noticed for the first time, even though she was hanging out with us for two weeks, she was in studio with the bright lights, that she had a fake arm. And we're like, oh, my God, we'd be terrible witnesses in a, in a court case. We had no idea. But then anyway, fast forward, I'm on a roof drinking with her in the West Village with a bunch of other guys. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a faithful one there, Wheels. But I was getting a little weak. I'm not going to lie to you. And she... Uh, she invited me down to her apartment. We were, on, uh, we were on the roof of this apartment. And I go into her apartment, and uh, her roommates were cranking Pink Floyd and were really, really high. So I'm, I'm kind of talking to the, her roommates because she said, I'll be right back. And uh, I'm just hanging with the roommates. All of a sudden, I hear a voice, uh, Ope, come in here. I'm like, oh, all right, whatever. You know, she's calling me into the kitchen or something. And I'm, I'm walking to his apartment, and I notice that she's calling me into the bathroom. And uh, long story short, she's in the bathtub completely naked with her arm off. And she's begging me to go into the bathtub with her wheels. What would you have done? I think, well, listen, I don't think... One arm is as bad as a smelly vajay. <laughs> so, so how the story goes, uh, it was more because I was with somebody um, because I was very tempted. I'm not going to lie to you. My relationship wasn't that great. So I, I, I kind of pinched myself now like, God, you idiot, because uh, she was really, really hot. And uh, I just started laughing at how ridiculous the situation was and walked out and started walking down the stairs of her apartment to get back on the street. And she's at the at the top of the stairs in a bathrobe, soaking wet, no arms, screaming and yelling at me, you son of a bitch, because I guess I was laughing at her, but I was just so un uncomfortable. And sadly, right. that was the last time I saw her. And fast forward, then I end up breaking up with my chick. And then I'm thinking, God, why didn't I? Because she was, she was actually uh, really, really cool, man. So yeah, I I have a, a so I dated a I dated a a girl that was an amputee, and wow. we were at a bar in Lake Placid, New York, of all places. Yeah, and we were there for the Empire State Games. Right. Uh, and O Town was the opening act at the uh, the opening ceremonies, Opie. Yeah. And th so they happened to be at this bar, right? And the girl that I was seeing at the time convinced O Town that she was an amputee because she got her leg bitten off by a shark. Nice. Good for her. And they at first they didn't even believe she was an amputee, so she yeah. literally took off her prosthetic leg and put it up on the bar. Nice. That's my O-Town story, a little boy band story there. I, I like the O-Town story there, Wheels. All right, you got to look at my ceiling for a second. I got to get a sip of my Sam Adams, which I don't support. All right, take a sip of the Sam Adams, and then I, I've got a question for you as a, as a guy that's been in radio forever. How do you deal with haters, Opie? Because I, I just got my first hater of the Wednesdays with Wheels podcast. What did they say? Oh, he just bashed it, said it was the worst thing ever and that I that I have the worst voice for radio and and uh, the only reason I'm in radio is because I'm in a wheelchair and all, all of that kind of stuff. Oh, my God, man. You're entertaining as all hell. I'm, I'm having a very, very good time here. 
Um, how do you deal with haters? At first, it's not easy. I, I, I'll be honest with you, man. If uh, I was just getting into this, which you are more or less, although you've been with Weez for a while, I don't know if I would do this. I don't know if I would want to put myself out there as much where people could get a hold of me 24 hours a day and try to, you know, knock me down because their lives suck because they have trauma from the past or they got some pain or they uh, were never brave enough to go for their dream job. Uh, so you have to deal with their mental illness uh, day in and day out. I'm not really sure I would do it because back in the day, a hater. Oh, my God. Ask Wheeze. I hate her. They would have to find the address of the radio station, and then they would have to actually write a letter and send it to you. And then they have to hope that you actually would uh, open up that letter and read their hate. But now, man, you know, they hear something on a podcast seconds later. They're finding your Twitter, your Facebook, whatever, your Instagram, and then just throwing just uh, their hate at you. Uh, how I handle it is, I'm not going to lie to you, it's taken a while. Uh, there was a time it was really, really bothersome, but finally I realized it's more about them than anything. And uh, and I also just simply don't um, go on the social media as much or I'll post my stuff and just kind of turn it off and, and that's it. I don't, I don't sit there anymore just scrolling through Twitter uh, hour after hour. I just have found better things to do with my uh my time like be with my family and and fish and whatnot i'm just sitting here listening to you talk about that yeah and these people with their mental illness because this this person definitely has some issues and and wants to be doing what i'm doing and i find it to be more difficult on my family than on me when i got the when i got the hate i was like yes i've made it yeah exactly uh, don't listen to that crap, man. Let me ask you, what was your worst online dating experience? Give me the worst one. Oh, there's been so many. Come on. Um, so I was with a girl for just recently for, well, about a year ago now, but I was with her for about six months, and uh, I can finally talk about it now. Yeah. But uh, uh, six months into the relationship, she kind of just woke up one morning and said, you're too short. And I can't be with you because you can't climb a ladder. <laughs> you know, you know, she was trying to come up with something, and that's the best she can come up with. That you can't climb a ladder. <laughs> to which, to which, oh, yeah, I responded. Did Amazon just drop the wheelchair off at the front door? <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, she didn't want to hurt your feelings, and she was trying to figure out an easy way out. That's just, but that's just strange, man. I mean, I think of an easier way out would have just been, I don't want to be with you anymore. Uh, yeah, of course. You know what I said to her? Hope I said, uh, "Have you ever heard of a handyman?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like there's these things called handyman, and they they can come over and do whatever you need them to do. Uh, here's another great story you'll get a kick out of. Hope yeah. I was in the mall one day. Uh, probably in my early 20s, and this guy comes up to me and he says to me, do you know why you're in a wheelchair? And I said, well, I think I do. I think the doctors diagnosed me right away, but maybe they were wrong. Why don't you tell me? Yeah. And he goes, you're in a wheelchair because in a past life, you were mean to people in wheelchairs. Ew. That's to which I responded, well, in a past life, you must have been mean to ugly people because you're pretty fucking ugly. <laughs> Good for you, Will. It's it's just amazing the way people think. Then I then I had one guy pray for me in the middle of a store one time. Yeah. Like drop down on his knees and just pray for me. Yeah. You know, what? say some Hail Marys. Well, yeah, uh, because he thought that would make me get up and walk. But you don't uh, you don't need to walk. No, it's interesting. Somebody asked me the other day, Ope, if if uh, if they came, if somebody said to me, "Wheels, we think we have found a cure for your disability, but one of the one of the things that could happen is you might pass away from it." Yeah. And my friend said to me, "Would you take that chance?" And I looked right at him and said, "No, because I've I'm living a good life. Like I get great parking. Like uh, you know." I'm I'm the first one to know if a girl's got a nice butt. <laughs> Jesus wheels, yeah, man, I I get it. 
I, uh, you know, I have a soft spot for the wheelchair because me and my friend Buzzy, when we were living in Rochester, we used the wheelchair to bootleg concerts at the War Memorial. How'd you do that? Well, uh, see, this is a weird story because no one could relate to this because everyone has their phones now. And when they go to a show, they just film the whole damn thing instead of watching it. But back in the day, you weren't allowed to film a, a concert. But my buddy Buzzy had a whole uh, underground business going where he bootlegged uh, concerts and sold them not even online. He had to he had to put um, uh, advertisements in in uh, magazines like rock magazines. But basically, he figured out he uh, hollowed out a seat of a wheelchair and he would smuggle in the the video equipment in the wheelchair. I was the guy that he only trusted me with the um, with the tripod because. He wanted to film these very professionally as well, so he didn't want any shaky cam. So I would bring in the tripod, and I would get stopped at security. They're like, why do you need a, a tripod for the Rush show? And then I would show my binoculars. You know, oh, no, the, you know, I put, the, I put my binoculars on the tripod, and they would let me go in. Then I would go left, and uh, Buzzy would go right with all the equipment in a hollowed-out wheelchair. We would meet in a stall in the War Memorial, and then he had a, another guy that had a gym bag. So then he would unload all the stuff from the wheelchair, the hollowed out uh, seat of the wheelchair, into a gym bag. That guy would take off. Buzzy, uh, not Buzzy. Then we needed another guy to take the wheelchair because they already know that uh, they saw Buzzy. So if he's walking with the wheelchair, that would be bad. And then someone would drop off the wheelchair and say, we're going to get it after the show. We got our friend in the seat. And he figured out the exact seats to, to, um, uh, to get for these shows where it would be hard for the security guards to get them. And that would be in the middle of a row, in the middle of a section. And then when people saw that we were videotaping these shows, they would get so excited and try to help us. And he was such a, a pro at this that he'd put a coat around the tripod. He would put a hat on the actual camera so it looked like a person just enjoying the show. And uh, he would film these shows. And after about an hour, he would take the tape out and give it to a runner, one of our friends actually, that uh, Buzzy got a seat for on the other side of the War Memorial. So just in case Buzzy did get caught, he still had half the show taped. It was an incredible, an incredible operation, man. Buzzy was uh, he was uh, forward thinking. Oh my God! Yeah, he uh, he was one of the youngest. Uh, he worked for uh, one of the TV stations up there. Oh, okay. I got another great story. You'll get a kick out of Opie. All right, let, uh, let me so grab my one, beer. Grab, have a drink. Opie's parched. I'm not a big drinker, by the way, but it sounds like I neither am I because I'm because I'm enjoying this this wretched Sam Adams summer ale. What is your what is your favorite beer, Ope? Uh, Line and Kugels. Okay, I always get made fun of because I drink the girly drinks like you. Oh yeah, you know, there's nothing wrong with those, right? Like when I went to see Weez in in Fort Lauderdale, I had a drink <laughs> called the Electric Daisy. <laughs> I laugh because you probably had the exact drink I had, and Weez uh, took me out. I, I was down there in uh, February, right before this this hell hit all of us. And uh, he took a he took me to a gangster man, a gangster joint with ponytail and all sorts of people. There were a lot of gangsters in there, and those guys were drinking manly drinks. And and man, if I didn't order uh, wheels, the the fruitiest drink on the menu. But man, it was tasty. It was tasty. Yeah, he. I I ordered an I ordered the electric Daisy, and his exact words to me were, "Bro, what are you doing?" <laughs> Yeah, so there you go. Weez is kind of like Carl. It takes a lot to embarrass Weez, but when it comes to girly drinks, when he's hanging out with his gangster friends in a gangster restaurant, that's that's his uh, that's his line, I guess. And you know I said to Weez, and, and Paulie was there at the time. I said, "It all gets you drunk the same way. Yeah. Like I'll have the same hangover you have." Yeah. So listen, I I got another story for you. You're gonna get a kick out of this one. Okay. Uh, one year for Halloween. Ope, it was right after poor Christopher Reeves, God rest his soul, uh, was paralyzed. So for Halloween, I went to a Halloween party dressed up as Superman. Beautiful. I had the whole oxygen mask and the. Oh my God, the, you're crazy. The, the oxygen tank and <laughs> right. the, you know, and then, but what I didn't realize, Ope, was that 
not everybody at the party knew I was actually in a wheelchair. So I show up to the party and they think like I'm making fun of, of oh, Christopher right, Lee. Right. Yes. So I had to have my friend stand up in the middle of the party and explain he's in a wheelchair. He's okay to do this. And then I won best costume. Of course you had to have won. That takes yeah. balls, man. Well, this hour has flown by, but we got about 10 minutes left. I want to talk about the podcast a little bit. Okay. Uh, what do you like most about podcasting in terms of the difference between podcasting and actual terrestrial radio? I get to do it all by myself. I'm not a boss anymore, Wheels. <laughs> I, I just like the freedom of it. I like the fact that... Uh, I don't have pressure anymore in my life. I, uh, I've been to the top of the mountain in the radio business. I made a lot of money. I, I uh, was quite famous. And sadly, uh, Wheels, I'm here to say, and I, and I don't want people to be like, Ugh. but I, I, I wasn't that happy. I'm, I'm happier now uh, just doing the podcast with my friends before they died. But uh, <laughs> I... Uh, I, I really, really enjoy uh, doing this. And, and I, I remember why I got into this business all those years ago when I heard Brother Weeze's voice coming from uh, that room in the uh, fraternity house. I just I just loved doing it. And somewhere along the way, I, I lost the love to do it. And, uh, and, and, and it's back. And uh, I don't make a lot of money. I don't have a massive audience, but I can honestly say that uh, I don't think I've ever been happier. Well, I was happier when Carl and uh, Vic were alive. But in general, I, I don't remember being this happy doing this in all those years of doing ONA. I don't regret anything, but uh, but those are the, uh, the facts, my friend. Oh, you know, I listen to your podcast all the time. And one of the things I'm struck with is when you do your podcast, a lot of your fans still ask you about ONA and and all of that do you like that how how i mean ONA was how many years ago was ONA well the show broke up uh 6 years ago right around now and i'm asked about it every single day but it, it's kind of cool because uh for the last 6 years i got to do radio a, a different way and of course the podcast for the last 2 so I've built up enough that people are now starting to talk about the post-ONA stuff. And uh, that makes me very, very happy. But you know what? We did it. We did. We had a massive show that people seem to really, really enjoy to this day. And uh, I can respect that. I like that. Um, but I don't have any connection to that, uh, that old life anymore. And, uh, and I'm fine with that. What are some of your most memorable guests? I mean, obviously, Carl and Carl was a great guest and a great co-host. But what are some of you, who are some of your other great guests that you've had on? Oh my God! I mean, I can't even turn on the TV without pointing to my kids because they don't know they don't know the ONA world. Now they're finally uh, more than aware. My son's now ten. My daughter's going to be eight, and I try to explain to them that I used to be a big deal. Wheels. And uh, I go, oh, you see the the president of the United States? He used to, you know, call my show on a regular basis. Uh, that's a biggie right there, Mr. Trump. What kind of guy was was Donald Trump? Same as you see on TV. Very entertaining. Uh, you know, uh, very narcissistic. Very, uh, well, I shouldn't say very. Lacks empathy. Uh, but a lot of fun, very entertaining, and uh, and I really enjoyed talking to him on the radio show. But as soon as we hung up on the guy, we would we would basically say we would laugh at him, like, "Oh my god, this guy is is ridiculous. He's all about himself and bragging about himself and talking about himself." But he made it very very entertaining. And I'm not going to lie to you, uh, I, I'm not I'm not into politics like Brother Weeze. I uh, I would say I'm a moderate. Uh, a lot of people like to say I lean left because I make fun of Trump a lot because there's so much to be made fun of there. And if if it uh, passes that Biden becomes our next president, I'll be right in there making fun of Biden as well because there's a lot to make fun of there as well. But with all that said, I, I really enjoy the circus uh, the last three plus years with Trump. I love that he calls out people and has... 
you know, terrible names for everybody and all that. Because it's so entertaining because I love reality TV. But I don't I don't believe in the guy as far as him being the president of the United States. I think we could do a little better. Do you in this ever country. think that he do you ever think that he really wanted to be president? Nah, I think he was swept away by the whole thing and realized, oh, my God, this might this might happen. I think he you know, he loves, loves, loves attention. That's why every single day he tries to go viral on his social media. I mean, it's it's almost exhausting. I, I his streak of going viral is absolutely amazing. He he almost goes viral every single day of his presidency. But I think at first he loved the attention. He loved that people were talking about him and then somewhere along the way it just got real. Um but I don't think he went into it thinking he actually wanted to do it. But then again, I don't know because he uh he doesn't like to lose, you know? So maybe he committed when he realized, when he decided to run for the presidency that I got to win this thing now because I, I can't lose. He just sometimes when he's giving a press conference, he looks so disinterested. Like he's just like looking around like, are people paying attention to me? Like, I don't even care what answers I'm giving. Right, right. You know, I have yeah. a slight connection to um, to Trump. I had, uh, you know, uh, uh, Trump's son on a lot too and and the guy I knew when he came into the radio station was a very different guy than you see on TV. I I, I really liked uh, Donald Trump Jr. Um, and he was always inviting me to to see the old man or go hunting or go fishing or go out to lunch. And for whatever reason, I, I turned down all the uh, invi- invitations. But um, my dad ran in the same circles as Donald Trump's father way back in the day. And I'm not trying to say my dad was a real estate mogul like Trump's father was, but in Long Island City, they uh, they ran in the same circles. Uh, my dad was um, uh, a real estate guy uh, in Queens slash Long Island City and had a bunch of buildings and did very well early on in his life. And uh, he used to he used to laugh, you know, when Trump would come up and basically tell me, you know, that he, he knew the old man. Not to the point where they were like buddy-buddy or anything, but they they ran in the same circles. Do you think he's as rich as he says he is? Uh, probably, I don't know. What the hell is that? that you, you almost had a perfect podcast, Wheels. What happened to you? Well, I'm just asking because it, it just, I he doesn't want to release his, you said your your dad ran with the old man, so I was wondering maybe he had a little inside information. <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. Uh, honestly, I think, I think, I think the reason why he doesn't want anyone to see his taxes is because there's some, some things in there. That's why. I don't know if it's about him not being as rich as he's telling everybody. I think there's just some things, some things. You have a great ceiling, by the way, Ope. I'm, tr- I'm having another sip of the Sam Adams Summer Ale Citrus Wheat Ale. I'm, I'm mad. Right. I, I, I want to. I, I got to figure out who brought this stupid beer to my house. We don't support Sam Adams in this house. You don't what, even. What do you have against Sam Adams? I was waiting for you to ask that. Wheels. I was. I was throwing softballs up the middle for you. What I, do you have against Sam Adams? He was the sponsor of the famous Sex for Sam thing that me and Anthony did. Oh, I yes. Actually, I don't mind Jim Cook. I mean, he used to be a, a decent friend of mine. Um, he was, uh, he had a beer. I forgot which one it was, but he, uh, he, he, uh, flew me and Anthony and a bunch of other radio shows down at Turks and Caicos for the big, uh, promotion for the, the beer at the time. And, uh, he loved us. And we did this, uh, this bit back in the day called sex for Sam, where we, where, where we had a bunch of couples, you know, have sex all over New York city wheels. Can you imagine that radio shows actually did this type of thing? And it was the, I can't imagine. It wouldn't happen nowadays. Yeah, and it was a point system and you know, if you if you do it at uh you know, well, I was going to say the toy store. Oh my god. Oh my god, people are going to come out of the woodwork. That would be bad. Well, it actually happened, wheels. I'm sorry to say, but uh there's a whole bunch of places on the list. And so these couples would try to, you know, um, get as many points as possible by having sex at all these crazy landmarks all around New York. And Sam Adams and Jim Cook, they loved the promotion, and uh, they were the big sponsors. And on the third annual, third, three years they let us do this, uh, what happened was a couple had, maybe they did, I wasn't there, Wheels, but they might have had uh, sex in the vestibule of St. Patrick's Cathedral. 
blah. And that that's uh, I've heard that story, and that's the one that got like you got in big trouble for that, right? Yeah, think I've been trying to get my career back together ever since. And they also did it in the uh, you know the dirtiest of holes wheels. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> so what happened was uh, we got fired. And we had to sit. Well, we didn't get fired. They paid out our contract, and we had to sit out for two years, three months, and do nothing. And there was no social media back then, which made it really frustrating. But Jim Cook, uh, we were we were pretty close. He sponsored a lot of our stuff. He, he, like I said, he brought us on that trip to Turks and Caicos, and he invited us up to the brewery in Boston many times for these big festivals that he threw. And he called me one day. He's like, "Oh." I'm like, hey, Jim, oh, my God. I felt so bad because on the front pages of all the Boston papers, all the bartenders and and bar owners were just pouring Sam Adams down the drain. They were pissed because, you know, Boston might be a a bit of a religious uh, city. And Jim Cook, he's whispering because he's obviously in the middle of some giant meeting as they're trying to figure out what to do. And he goes, oh, uh, you know I love you. I go, yeah, man. And I, I, I know, Jim. And I apologize to him. Like, I didn't, you know, expect this to get out of hand. Because um, our intentions were not for a couple to have sex at uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral that day. But it happened. And then I had to take some responsibility. And I'm like, I'm really sorry, Jim. And he's like, look, you're going to hear some things in the coming days. Just know this. I love you. Uh, but I got to save my own ass. He was really scared. And I go, I understand, Jim. And he hung up and wheels. I never talked to him again. Really? Yeah, which is kind of sad, you know, because we did some great things together. And he's a he's a really good guy. But he basically I mean, he was basically uh, saying goodbye to me uh, with love, with love. He, he wasn't mad. He understood how much money I brought in for that company or me and Anthony, I should say. Um, but unfortunately, we got caught, you know, uh, in a bad situation and, uh, you know, he took it like a man and he basically said goodbye to me like a man. And that was it, man. We hung up and uh, I, I, I never talked to him again. One day I was uh, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm babbling, uh, but no, go ahead. OK, one day I was in Manhattan. I, I think my wife was in the car. We were driving maybe to Long Island. We're on the east side for the people that know New York City heading toward uh, the tunnel, uh, the bridge, excuse me, the 59th Street Bridge. And all of a sudden, we're stuck in bumper-to-bumper traffic. The traffic's barely moving where people are walking uh, faster than the cars. And I go to my, yeah, my wife was there. I go, oh, my God, there's Jim Cook in a business suit with another guy. They're obviously having some kind of meeting that they're walking to. And I roll down the window wheels. I lean my head out. And I went, nah. And I just let it be. And I rolled the window back up, and I never uh, shouted to Jim. Uh, Cook. I wish I did, to be honest with you. But I mean, he probably would have. He probably would have liked to at least. Like, here's the thing. Like, I can't believe like he wouldn't have reached out to you just as a friend afterwards, and because he seemed like he really liked you as a person. So well, that surprises well, me. Well, he called me. You know, that was him. Reaching. Well, no, but after that, you know what I mean. I'm, to, I'm, I'm sure. Look, let's be honest. I'm. He's a nice guy. I'm sure he was livid, and you know he. I almost ruined everything, or me and Anthony, I should say, in the in the radio show. So I'm sure you know, I, he wanted to put some distance uh, between us after that, you know? At any time in your career, I'm sure there were uh, station directors that were telling you to sort of push the limits, right? Because it brought in ratings. But at, then at the same point, when you push those limits, then they, then they want to distance themselves from you when you go too far. So how frustrating is that? Well, it was uh, it was an understanding between me and Anthony, especially in the golden age of this shock jock radio and the bosses. It was a weird little tug of war. I mean, we had a bunch of PDs over the years that didn't really get us or understand what me and Anthony were about. But in general, even though uh, I've been fired dramatically a bunch of times, we really did understand the game uh, until until we got in over our head. And basically, we would get in trouble with all sorts of minority groups. Uh, one time, we did a, a a gay bit up in Boston, and and I and I have love for the community, uh, but we're also there trying to entertain people. And we did this bit, and they were so freaking mad. And um, 
all of a sudden they wanted to meet with me and Anthony and the and the and the general manager and behind closed doors to giving us pamphlets and books to read and blah 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 and me and Anthony played our parts we're like we're sorry and then the GM was scolding us in front of the the gay group and uh they wanted to have another meeting after we read these books and my GM at that point said no 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 they they understand they they heard you they've uh learned their lessons I think that's enough. And uh, we all shook hands. And then I quickly uh, washed my hands. <laughs> Just kidding, wheels, a little humor. Uh, and then yeah, th- I, I was laughing. Okay. I was laughing. <laughs> Just kidding, man. Wow, you wash your hands so much nowadays, your hands are raw. Oh, no kidding. So then they leave. And what does my GM say? You know, he's he's there playing his part, scolding us in front of these people. He's like, okay, boys. You know, you obviously did nothing wrong, so go right back into that studio and continue doing exactly what you're doing. That played out so many times over the years. Everyone understood. Uh, when we got fired for Sex for Sam, we were number one with men up and down the East Coast. We're talking number one in Cleveland. We had some like a 40-something share in Cleveland. We were number one in New York. We were number one in Boston. We were number one in Philly. I'm not bragging. I'm getting to a point. We were number one in Washington and and many other places. I think uh, Buffalo was on that list. And we do the sex for Sam. And I'm thinking there's no way they're going to fire us. You know, you don't just throw away a number one show like that. We were we were making the big uh, bosses like just stupid money. And I always understood the game. But what I didn't understand at the time was the fact that radio stations were now being swallowed up by big corporations. So if a radio show messed up. It wasn't that they were just uh, effing with the actual radio station or the radio division. You could screw over the entire company. And at the time, it was CBS. They owned uh, movie studios. They owned Blockbuster. They owned all these other entities. And that's why we got fired. I, I didn't understand that the game got way, way bigger than just us and our stupid radio show. So that's why they, they ended up firing uh, me and Anthony back in 2002, even though we had massive, massive ratings up and down uh, the East Coast and in other cities. I always tell people, open. I'm sure you'll agree with me on this, and uh, if you don't like what's on the radio, like change the dial. Yeah, but then what are they going to complain about? Like this cancel culture, I think everyone is part of a tribe now. You're just trying to get points for your tribe. But uh, I don't think in the end they truly give a shit if Jimmy Kimmel wore blackface or Howard Stern wore blackface all those years ago. I really don't believe that whatsoever. But I think think people just want to complain just for the complaining's sake. Yeah, just to say they're doing something, right? I, I think just to be a just a pain in the ass. Yeah, we live in yeah. a, in the in a world where there are a lot of pain in the asses. That's why I hide out and don't see many people. I'm I'm pretty much becoming a recluse. So, Ope, I have I have one more question for you. Of course, here it is. As an up and I don't think you know where I'm going with this one. I think I'm going to shock you. <laughs> okay, good. Let's go. As an up and coming, you know, new to, I don't want to say up and coming because the five people that listen to my podcast, uh, you know, I I don't make a dent in the the podcast world. But could you, as as someone that's new to the game, could you give me some advice? That's really nice of you, Wheels. I think you're already doing it, to be honest with you. The the thing I learned from Brother Weeze, and I pass along to as many people as I can, is to simply be yourself because the um, the listener, they know when you're not uh, being genuine and they know when you're not being yourself. And uh, you're you're doing it, man. You're the same guy on on mic and off mic. So I that I think that's a that's a very important uh, uh, bit of advice for somebody. But you're already there. You're already just being yourself. I appreciate it. You also love your poker. Can I tell you why I love poker? It's because I'm a very competitive person. And uh, being in the wheelchair, I wasn't able to play high school sports, although I am am sort of the Michael Phelps of disabled sports. Nice. Uh, I I did some track and field events. But poker 
is one of those things where I'm able to be competitive at a table and my disability doesn't come into it at all. Beautiful. Oh, that makes sense. Right. What doesn't make sense is you you referenced referenced Michael Phelps and then said track and field. Well, I did swimming too, but I was. Better oh, all right. I, was, I, I wasn't sure if they were hitting you with the fire hose as you're, you know, doing the hundred yard dash. I'm like, what is he talking about? No, I was sort of like the uh, to use another reference. I was sort of like the Usain Bolt of short distances. Beautiful. Except I wanted a turtle's pace. Nice. You never, yeah. you never did yeah. that wheelchair basketball. One of my good friends, I lost, uh, I lost touch with him, unfortunately. My friend Eddie, who was on Big Brother, um, quick funny story. Big Brother was on when me and Anthony were. Wait, wait, you know Eddie? I know Eddie. Yeah, he's a, he's a dear friend of mine. Although we've lost touch in the last few years, but back in the day when me and Anthony had that massive radio show, we decided to make Eddie win Big Brother. It's a fact. And, and he thanks me to this day because we got all our, our, our fans to vote for Eddie, who had one leg. He had cancer when he was 12 years old, and they decided to take his leg to save his life. And uh, unfortunately for Eddie, his, his, uh, they took his leg all the way up almost to his hip, which makes it really hard to, to get around on a fake leg, which he does when um, you know he's got a wedding or something. Uh, but in general, man, he's got giant hands. And uh, he could get around faster on crutches than pretty much anyone I know. And uh, he was like 6'4", an athlete. And he played that uh, that competitive wheelchair basketball. And I went and saw him a few times. And it was simply amazing, man. These guys would be diving out of their chairs. And their the, the chairs would be flipping, you know, over. I thought it would be some some wheelchair game where everyone's just slowly going up the court trying to shoot the basket but these guys really really took it seriously and uh were incredibly competitive so oh it's so funny because i actually competed against eddie in those same olympics that i was talking to you about oh okay i i know eddie personally as well and 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 what a guy he was and uh and he did quite well with the ladies too from what i remember oh good looking guy which pissed me off I got both legs, both yeah. arms. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I'm gonna get the, I'm gonna get the pick of the litter here. And there's Eddie in his crutches, and they would just be drooling when they saw this guy. Opie, this was fun, my friend. Absolutely. I appreciate it. I'm going to send you a uh, Wednesdays with Wheels. What would you like? Would you rather have a hat or a t-shirt? Oh, beautiful. I I want a t-shirt. You want the t-shirt? All right, I'll send you the. Send me your address and I'll send you a T-shirt. I will, and and you know, sneak in one of those handicap passes. Uh, listen, I can't do that. That's how I get the girls up. No, you tell them you lost yours. You send me one, and then you go get another one. What are you a rookie? Uh, you know, can I? I, I was going to end this, but I got to tell you this story because it's so funny. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Brother Weez, yeah, has himself a handicap parking pass now. Yeah, but he doesn't use it. Why? But when I because he doesn't want people to see him using the handicap parking sticker. But when I was in Florida, he was okay to use it because I was with him. <laughs> That's my boy. <laughs> so <laughs> we were going out to the car one day, and yeah. he says, uh, "Oh shit!" He says, "I forgot the handicap parking sticker." Yeah. So we we go back upstairs to get it, and we're in the elevator talking about it, and. Uh, he says to the girl in the elevator, he says, uh, I have to go get the handicapped parking sticker. My my friend forgot it. That's great. Meanwhile, he's the one that wanted it. Yeah. And he fights yeah. for that handicapped spot at his building down there in Florida. You want to hear a good uh, a good episode of my podcast. It was right after the Super Bowl, I guess, officially. But we were coming home from a Super Bowl party, and I decided to just do a podcast in the car. And, uh, you know, we almost got in an accident. And then we get to his garage, and he's so mad that the only other person with a handicap uh, sticker grabbed his spot. And then he's called her the C-word. And me and Doreen are like, oh, my God, what's wrong with you? But he was so mad. I listened to that podcast, and it was – I'm sitting in in my – 
bedroom listening to it, and I'm, th- and I'm just visualizing him doing that. Oh, I loved uh, every second of it. And me and Doreen were laughing ourselves sick. He's a great guy, and he's definitely changed my life. And Opie, thank you so much for doing this. I know you. you there's a million other things you could have been doing, so I so much appreciate it. I really do. Um, I, I didn't think I had a choice. No. Ah, the wheelchair. I'm like, I can't say no to a guy with that's in a wheelchair. Oh, you could have, but <laughs> I, I, I'm glad you didn't. No wheels. Come on, I. People are asking me to be on their podcast all the time, and honestly, I, I, I pretty much don't do anyone's podcast. But uh, I, I, I like you a lot. I think you're. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I really believe you're an inspiration, and that's not. Uh, well, it's sort of because you're in a wheelchair, but it's it's showing people to just live their lives. My God, and you're entertaining, yeah, you're funny, and you ask the right questions, and you add a lot to the conversation. And I, and a, a little known fact, I, I listen to you on Brother Weez almost every morning. I still listen to Weez almost every morning on the iHeart app. And you're and you Thanks more so than you more than hold your own, my brother. Thank you so much. And he is now no I'm gonna give him a little plug. He's now number one in, in the in the market again. So kudos to Brother Weeze. Nice uh, for such a such a great career. I will say this real quick, oh I was listening to your podcast and you were saying every and you and I've talked about this off air, so I don't have a problem bringing it up here, but you were saying on your podcast that every douchebag in America now has a podcast. Yeah. And I happened to call Brother Weeze when you were in Florida. Yeah. And I was talking to you and I said, well, oh, I'm going to be one of those douchebags <laughs> with a podcast. And they all suck. It drives me nuts. You can't turn on the TV without someone promoting their podcast. And I'm like, of course you got a podcast. Of course. Because this is so easy to do, isn't it? Go screw. It's not easy to do at all. All right, listen, I got it. It go. really is the most difficult thing. Yeah. I think I lost Joe. But anyway. I'm right here, but I'm falling asleep at this point. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, we're going. <laughs> okay. We'll I'm just messing with you, brother. Thank you so we're much. Out of here. I love you. Thank you for doing this. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for another listening to another episode of Wednesdays with Wheels. Love you. Hope. See you soon. All right, Wheels. Love you too, brother. Thank you, buddy. All right. Stupid Sam Adams. Boo, boo, boo.